We're going to make a lot of progress in this first chapter here and cover verse 18. Oh, you laughed. See, you didn't laugh earlier when I was joking about Sister Green. Y'all had me feeling like I should repent. I was just kidding. But verses 15 through 23, let's read this morning. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you saying thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be gathered here in your house. Lord, today we celebrate even this evening the perpetuity of the church, how you have not only uh, bought it, Lord, but you've secured it and sustained it from now until from your um, original founding until your return. Lord, we give thanks to you, Lord. I pray that as we open up your word this morning and read and study this 18th verse, that we see what Paul's desire was for the people is that they would get a greater understanding of you from you. What a pastorly prayer. Lord, I pray also this morning that the prayer is for us that even this morning that we would get a greater understanding from you of you. Enlighten our eyes this morning as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been working through this prayer here, and last week we studied that of verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is what Paul prayed, that God would give these Ephesians from God, through the using of His Spirit, the knowledge and the wisdom of Him. Now, as I said, we always ask why. Why is it that, that Paul wanted God to do this? Why did God want Paul to? Uh, why did Paul want God to in, in, to give them this knowledge and this wisdom? Well, in verse eighteen, he says why that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Now, the first thing we must have to take away from this is that Paul is talking to saved believers. He's talking to Christians. And yet his prayer is that 
Their eyes need to be enlightened. This brings us to a greater understanding about even our own salvation. Oftentimes we operate on the false pretense that once we are saved, is now we are fully enlightened. Now we have grasped the hold of this great understanding of who we are in Christ, and yet it is not so. He continues to pray that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. We must understand that even if we live day by day, moment by moment, and spent the rest of our lives fleshing out every scripture, we would never be able to exhaust it. Yet, we would be all the richer for it. So he prays that God would send his spirit so that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. God, through the Spirit, would bring them to a deeper understanding of Scripture. You know what he says? That through the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, in the knowledge of what? In the knowledge of the world? No, in the knowledge of Him. And when we have a deeper understanding of who Christ is, when we have a deeper understanding of who we are in Christ, then our eyes of understanding will be enlightened. Enlightened to what? Enlightened that we may know what is the hope of his calling. Enlightened that we may understand what is these riches that are in glory and that we may fully understand what is this inheritance of the saints that we have in Christ. Salvation is just the beginning. We need the Spirit for so much more. We need the Spirit to enlighten us about truth, about this greater truth that we need in our lives. So in this verse, he says, this in chapter 4 and verse 17, here in Ephesians, he's trying to provide this contrast. We may not understand this, but as I said, we need the Spirit all the more to give us understanding. Now, it's not that lost people do not have the faculty of understanding. We must understand this. Lost people also have the faculty of understanding. But as he reads here about the Ephesians who are saved, that the Spirit would give them the eyes of understanding, that they would be enlightened even more, he says, of these people who are lost in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, starting in verse 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who... Being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So Paul really here in the book of Ephesians is laying out a contrast. Yet they both point back to one thing. Both saved and unsaved are in desperate need of enlightenment from God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, what did Paul say? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. 
For it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You cannot know God by worldly wisdom, saved or lost, a saved man or woman. After they become saved, this new creature in Christ, even if they went to college and got the highest degree in the land and, and, begot their, and got their PhDs and their doctorates and all of these things, it is possible to be saved, a new creature in Christ to finish your six-year schooling and come out of there and be just the spiritually in the same place you were in enlightenment as the day you were saved. Why? Because the degrees of the land, the PhDs and the doctorates cannot give you enlightenment and wisdom about the things of God. The other day on the internet, they had run this uh, thing about this new step in technology. It was amazing, brilliant, whoever invented this machine. They are now able to robotically, and, and with this new, I can't under explain it all to you, navigate this machine through your veins and do these new procedures. It was millions and millions of dollars. It's genius. But yet... The genius in man's terms who created this machine that's worth millions and millions of dollars. It is impossible for him to even understand the things of God without God. It's impossible. It doesn't matter whether you have the intellects to teach physics. It doesn't matter whether you have the intellects to put a man on the moon. Paul said here, what did he say in this prayer? And going back to verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Paul's prayer for those in Ephesus was not that Gamaliel would educate the people in Ephesus, and that they would read Gamaliel's writings so that they would get a better understanding about the things of God. It wasn't that they would read Socrates or Aristotle or Homer, any of the people of their day. It was that the Spirit, that God would send the Spirit to enlighten their eyes. Now, to kind of bring us to this understanding about how this applies to us today, I mean, where do we see this playing out in Scripture? I love the way that Luke writes, but if you take time to read the 24th chapter of Luke, you'll see there in, in verses 31 and 32 that the disciples, these two disciples, they were on the road to Emmaus. Their hearts were broken, devastated that Christ had been convicted and that he had been crucified and he was placed in this tomb. And as they walked on this road to Emmaus, the scripture lets us know that they were blinded to this situation. Yet Jesus came alongside them. And when Jesus came alongside them, he began to question them about the things that had happened. And the disciples were amazed, astonished. They said, have you not heard about Jesus of Nazareth? Have you not heard how he was convicted? How, have you not heard about how he was crucified? They were grieved. They were broken. But as Jesus began to speak the words to them again, the word of God, the word from the Old Testament, even reminded to them in the New Testament through his teaching, 
when he began to take them back to the word of God in the 31st verse of Luke chapter 24, it says, and their eyes were opened. And then they said to themselves, then in this moment, Jesus disappeared and they said, did, our not, did not our hearts burn as he reasoned with us the things of God? What happened? They had a, they had a knowledge of the word of God. They knew scripture. They had even memorized scripture. They had an understanding of the Old Testament, yet their eyes were not completely opened to the truth. And so Paul's prayer is just like Jesus with these two disciples. It's more than being saved. It's more than knowing scripture. It's more than filling out the memorization card. It is that our eyes are enlightened to this truth and that our hearts will burn within us again for the things of God. Did not our hearts burn within us? These men who knew the word of God did not fully understand the deeper things of God. These specific items, as I said earlier, these three things that he would pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. And this is what he wants to, to really get a hold of. His prayer that God would open their eyes so that they would get a deeper understanding and enlightenment to know what is the hope of his calling. What is the riches of this glory of his inheritance of the saints? He wanted, them, he wanted to remind them that in order to be enlightened, it was going to happen when the believer arrived at a place of dependence. This is the truth and the summation of all our spiritual growth. That if you want to have a deeper relationship with God, it takes a deeper step of dependence upon God. We are literally today in this modern age, like modern age children of Israel. As they wandered through the wilderness, they depended on the Lord from the Lord day by day for manna. And so it is for us day by day. As we read the word of God, we must rely upon him to teach us the things of him. We must rely upon him to feed us with this daily bread. We must rely upon him to, to feed us from this word. And so this was the desire for them. Let me ask you this morning, I guess, his desire was that their understanding would be enlightened. Uh, but let me ask even for all of us, is your understanding of God's word deeper today than it was yesterday? Is your understanding deeper of God's word this week more than it was last week? Is your understanding deeper of God's word this year more than it was last year? Why do you not have this greater understanding? Why not do we have this uh, ability to reason within ourselves that we are in desperate need of God to teach us more about him? In the era of CDs, when CDs first came out, I was driving an Oldsmobile. Now, the problem was in my Oldsmobile is that it didn't have a CD player in it. But if you wanted to be cool, you had to be playing your brand new CD in the car. Oh, you got that new track? I got it. Come on, guys. It's all right. We're going to be hanging here today, all right? And uh, we have another service after this. <laughs> so um, 
And so, you know, that was the thing. You're like, you want to be cool, you have to play your new music. Well, I couldn't afford a CD player. So I went and bought myself a battery-powered boombox, and I thought I was cool. And I was driving around with my buddies, and we were blaring the music in the car to the boombox. And, you know, everybody, oh, yeah, yeah. But one day we was driving down the road, and uh, as we were driving down the road, the CD player stopped playing. Now, the CD was still spinning, the power was still on, but there was no words coming out of the speakers. I'm like, I just bought this thing. And here I'm thinking that I already have to get a new one. And my buddy said, no, 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 no. And he turns it off, he pops the CD out, and there it was. Sitting above the eye that read the CD was this huge lint ball stopping the CD from being read. And so it was when he cleaned it off and he put the CD back in, there it was. Not only was the power back on, the CD was still spinning and the words came forth. And so when Paul is saying here, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, the question to ourselves is, what is preventing us from the eyes of our understanding being enlightened? Now, the word of God we must come back to and recognize the power is still on in this book. The power is still on here. The same power that brought you out of darkness into marvelous light. The same words that used to bring you to tears, the power is still here. The feelings that we felt and may we still feel today when we read the word of God and it burns within us, that power is still there. The question is, why is the emotion not? What is preventing the eye from understanding? And Paul's prayer is whatever it is that has clogged the eye from reading. Oh, whatever has uh, caused these Ephesians from getting this enlightenment, whether it is dirt, whether it is sin, whether it is business, whatever it may be, Paul's prayer is simple, that God will supersede in all situations and bring them to a place where they have a desire again to seek God to be enlightened. This book still has the power to fill us with joy. This book still has the power to bring us to a, a place of greater understanding. And this book still has the power to bring us to an understanding of this great inheritance. It still has enough in it to bring us to a place that we will never have a bad day. It's enough to continually fill us with joy. But when the eye of understanding becomes dirty, when it becomes clogged with the things of this life, the power can be on, the CD can still be spinning, yet no words of joy will come out of the speakers. David arrived there once in his own life. And remember what he said? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. His eye had become dirty. His life had become filled with sin. Listen, if you get into the word of God and you're not satisfied, if you get into the word of God and you don't feel the joy, if you get into the word of God and you don't say, I want more of this in my life, it's not the Bible, it's you. It's not that the Bible has run out of riches, it's you. 
It's not that the book can't satisfy. It's you. There's something wrong with you. The eye of understanding has not yet been enlightened. You've remained in the darkness. Dirt has covered the eye. And so this pastor prays that they may be enlightened. Why? Why? Because that they may understand what is the hope of his calling. He wants them to understand more about this salvation. He wanted them to get to the place where they also praise just like he praised. In verses 3 through 14, as we studied through that, Paul is offering up this doxology of praise. He's offering up this praise to God. It's all about this great salvation that he has experienced, this great gift from God. So when he brings them back to this, he says, listen, I offered up this praise in verses 3 through 14, praising God for this magnificent work in my life. And I want all of us to get to the place where our eyes will be enlightened so that you will also offer up the praise unto him because of the hope of this calling that you've experienced in your life. He says that uh, we should be in praise. I mean, to kind of recap verses 3 through 14, when Paul was praising God about this great salvation, Paul said, I praise God that I was not a second thought in God's mind. I was a first thought. Before the foundations of the world, he said, before the foundations of the world, I was predestinated unto adoption. He chose me. Before then, before the foundations of the world, I was forgiven in Christ. That even more that we were given wisdom and insight to understand our desperate need of salvation. We even covered this when we went through this. I mean, think about this peace that we can have living in this wicked world. That as we look on the outlook of this life, crime on this side, murder on this side, chaos here, the world is up in arms, threats of nuclear attack, threats of all these other things. And yet he says in this offer of praise in verses 3 through 14 that we can praise God because we have wisdom and insight to understand what is going on in this wicked world. He even says more that he rejoiced that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed, secured, forever anchored in him. And even more, he would say that God has began this work and even would recap this in Philippians, that, that he which hath begun this good work and you will perform it unto the day of Christ Jesus. God is not like us. He's not. My wife often urges me to complete chores around the house that I start. So needless to say, I give her a lot to urge me about. But she asks me to complete these things because I often get distracted. That is not God. That is nothing like God. He said that he praised God that we were sealed. That that which God has started in us, God will continue in us until the day of Christ Jesus. He will continue to work in us. Even when we fail, we're sealed. 
Even when we make mistakes, we're sealed. Even when we make decisions that drive us insane, like why did we do this? We are still sealed. And the Holy Spirit of promise is the one who enlightened us to remind us why we made such a terrible decision. Remember yet when you lived in sin and did not fully recognize that you were in sin? Remember when you lived in sin and did not bother your conscience at all? Yet with the hope of this calling, yet with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we are sealed and we are secured. We understand with the hope of this calling that he that would have begun this good work will continue it on and even more. He said in that praise of 3 through 14, emphasizing the hope of this calling, that he praised God because God's ultimate goal, according to Romans even 8 and 29, that we would be conformed to the image of his son. This is God's ultimate goal in our lives. And all of this hope was brought into your life through the hope of this calling. God called us out of darkness into marvelous light. And had he not done this, we would not be enlightened. But even more, he says, I want you to understand what is the hope of this calling. It's much more than being saved from hell. It's much more than that. It's much more than being saved from this thing that's going to happen in the end of our life. It is that we are indwelt that we have this ability to learn more about our great Savior. Wanted them to understand this assurance that we have of this great calling, surety of our position, that we may make a mistake, but it doesn't mean that all is lost. It means that we are at war with an enemy who seeks to make us slip. God is not like us. Being confident of this very thing, that he hath begun a good work and he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God started it. God will complete it. But have our eyes been enlightened to this this morning? God has no intention of quitting. Even more, he says, what is the riches of, his, of the glory and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance. The prayer is that we would come to an understanding, a knowledge, a state about the condition of the one in which we are going to have one day and even more that we may fully understand where we are going to spend eternity. This inheritance that we have in him. I love how Peter puts this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy have begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. What an heritage. What an heritage that we have in Christ. Notice, what is the hope of this calling and what the riches of glory of his inheritance in the saints? I love the antique roadshow. Whenever it comes on, I make a beeline to it. But one of the things that 
always is like, ah, about the antique roadshow is that, you know, how the story always goes with each one of the items that they're presenting to the person that's appraising it. This was my mother's, 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 mother's. And it's this long line. And then finally they have inherited it. But now as they're up there turning the page, Every page, they're turning it all so careful. The vase has this crack in it, and they're turning it. Why? Because this inheritance is breaking down. It has begun to spoil. It has become to tarnish. It, this inheritance is not incorruptible. It's corruptible. Yet they say they cherish it. Yet this thing that they cherish so much, it grieves them as it breaks down before their eyes. Every day the page becomes more brittle. Yet the inheritance that we have is incorruptible. This inheritance that we have this uh, opportunity to cherish and understand more about this inheritance that we have in Christ is the one of incorruption. That's what Matthew says. It is this place that we lay up treasures where moth and rust doth not corrupt. It's not where thieves break through and steal. This inheritance is undefiled. There is no spots. It's not tainted. It is a pure and perfect place, picture, home for us. And it fades not away. It never can. It remains perfect. It remains in perfect condition to have it forever. Uh, Paul said, I, I want you to understand that this inheritance that you have is not like the inheritance that you have today. It's a, it's a perfect inheritance. It's an incorruptible inheritance. The riches of his glory. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, we said last week when we was reading in verse 17, when it said the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, this is the highest superlative. This is to encompass all of who God is. It is the embodiment of all of his attributes. Yet he adds here a superlative on top of a superlative. He says the riches of the glory. It is so much, it is far beyond our understanding. I can always think back about Paul when he was called up into the third heaven. He didn't speak about that which he seen, and he didn't even speak about that which he heard. As a matter of fact, if he tried to formulate it into our words, it would probably have been an understatement of the glory that was there in heaven. Yet he says that we may understand the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Oh, the riches of the glory. What amazing thought. I pray every day that we would grab this deeper understanding. I pray that every day that we will get to this place that we recognize it is God's desire for us to have a greater understanding of him. My mind is drawn back to the revival service that we had here with Brother um, Brent Spears was preaching on the book of James. And when he said, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh unto thee. And so it is. And I believe they are hand in hand. 
that God will send his spirit of promise upon us. And he will enlighten our eyes to get a deeper understanding of him when we first make our stride to him. But if you wake up tomorrow morning and you get in the word of God and you read the word of God and your eyes aren't enlightened and you read the word of God and you don't feel nothing inside of you like, wow, what a truth, what a promise, what a great God. It's not the Bible. It's us. It's that the eye can no longer read the word. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I know that um, we'll be leaving here shortly, Lord, trying to make our way to uh, the Castro's church, Lord, to um, hand it off, Lord, so to say, um, fully over to them. Lord, I pray that uh, you'll give us wisdom this morning, strengthen them in this time, Lord. And Lord, I, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, but I ask for another one this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll um, send more people to the field, call more people into service for you. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.